I confess without shame that I am sick and tired of fighting. Its glory is all moonshine. Even success the most brilliant is over dead and mangled bodies. With the anguish and lamentations of distant families appealing to me for sons, husbands, and fathers. It is only those who have never heard a shot, never heard the shriek and groans of the wounded and lacerated, that cry aloud for more blood, more vengeance, more desolation. General William Tecumseh Sherman Welcome back to episode four of our mini-series on Gettysburg. This is the Wellhouse Exorcism, and I am your hostess with the mostess and the most amazing, most fantastic, most fabulous. Humble. Most humble hostess. Shananana. I'm PJ. <laughs> I mean, that says it all right there. <laughs> That's all he needs. Really. Yeah. I'm Laura, and I am a small potato. <gasps> I love it. <laughs> She's actually small potatoes. She's plural. There's oh. more to you. Yeah. Than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she looks like one. But... There's uh, yes. many of me, yeah. apparently. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can change at any moment. <laughs> like Men in Black 2, where, you know, like you're actually just like a, a pile of potatoes. That like, all... And like a potato, we've unearthed the truth about you. Oh. Your pomme de terre. What can I say? I am of the mm-hmm. earth and I run deep. Yes. Yes. In French, it sounds much prettier. Well, and it quite does. frankly, I That am means del- apple of the earth, it does. right? It does. Mm-hmm. But I'm delicious in many forms. What can I say? Yes. And who are you? <laughs> I'm Ray. And I'm here. He's Mr. Potato. <laughs> That's Dr. Potato, do you know? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. No, I'm kidding, guys. I'm not like that guy. Incidentally, yes, you are. If you burn a potato, it tastes Earn delicious. Earn it. You, you should walk it. You should own it. You worked hard for it. You don't need to wear the doctoral robes whenever you visit them. Yeah, it's I, kind of awkward. Yeah, I don't see that being a thing, especially since well, it's a podcast. Mm, so I think it would be like kind of lost. Are you cold? Is that why you wore them this evening? Um, I just wanted to play with my tassel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) This took a turn. (laughs) Anywho, this week we are discussing the battlefield. Because what is the robe without a tassel? I mean, oh, we're back to the okay. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> we never left. Never, never. At least one of us. Didn't. Sorry, I needed to complete my thought. There, it's over. We left him behind and moved on. <laughs> he just brought it with him. Yeah. <laughs> like a tassel. <laughs> oh my gosh! Typical doctor move. Just keep on going. <laughs> but before we get to the actual battlefields of Gettysburg, Laura has some updates. A little, yes. Yeah, so I, I did a little bit of. When I was looking at um, stories for tonight's episode, I came across a few additional stories about the Farnsworth house. So I thought, we'll add them in. Oh, yeah. Any more about the angry kitchen lady? Well, we don't... I don't know exactly who all is involved in this. So, there was a couple, and their in-laws got both couples a set of rooms for the night at the Farnsworth house. I mean, it's a nice, you know... Okay. little outing. Okay. So they were in the Custer room, named after General Custer, yeah. and the Lincoln room. And so Who was they... that named after? Some guy named Lincoln, I guess. 
Yeah. I, I didn't research the him. The cabin builder. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe the, he built the, the logs. car. Maybe he's like, you know, the car, the Lincoln car's named mm, after oh, him. Maybe. Don't know. That's true. It's true. <laughs> um, Lincoln Logs. So apparently this couple, and I guess their in-laws, are into ghost hunting paranormal stuff because they brought with them a voice recorder and spirit box. So, all right. There was a reason they're they staying dabble. at the Farnsworth house. But no Ouija board. <laughs> um, it's Ouija. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. We can't play the music, so you know, we have to <laughs> This is bad. This is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> so they said they didn't get a lot of activity on the voice recorder or spirit box, but they they did have a lot of visual activity. Ooh. He said my father-in-law and I kept seeing a dark humanoid mass walking around the bathroom. And I'm like, well, Playing with all the plumbing, yeah. Yes. So this is happening in the custer room. And my wife was attacked by a black mass that came out of the ceiling. What? She was laying on the bed when it rushed her. She immediately ran off the bed saying she felt a rush of cold air and heard a weird screeching sound. So they left that room mm-hmm. because they felt like it was evil. They're getting like attacked. This yeah. is not, this is not yeah. fun at that point. So they moved to the Lincoln room where there's more activity. <laughs> and um, you're going to really appreciate this. PJ, because I feel like we've now named two cats, and only at the time there was only one cat. Now there are two cats, so we can use each name. So apparently there is a spirit cat in the Lincoln room at the Farnsworth house. But is it a poltergeist cat? Well, all we know is that, again, the wife, for whatever reason, she felt like it was laying on her chest. That sounds like what a cat would do. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and I guess there, then the husband also later had like scratch marks on his feet. Oh. So he's attributing that to the cat as well. Or it could also be a demon. Also that. <laughs> and while the wife felt like she had the cat laying on her chest, they had an EMF reader. So they do more than dabble, apparently. Obviously, yeah. Um, but apparently that reader shot up from zero to 20 MGs, whatever that is, for an EMF reader. For a purring sound, possibly? It could be. Purr. It could be. Um And uh, also, we remember Jeremy, the little boy. Mm-hmm. And apparently... His wife's shoes were double knotted, or one one of the wife's shoes was double knotted, and the right shoe was untied. So hmm. they're attributing that to Jeremy. Can we go? I'm trying to untie my shoe. <laughs> Dang it, Jeremy! And then there was a second story. He was just practicing how to tie shoes. That's from all. someone else who responded to that comment, saying that they had stayed in the Sarah Black room, and there was a moment when I smelled. Rose perfume, like someone walked past me. Oh, okay. The only other thing that happened was in the middle of the night, the faucet in the bathroom turned on. And there off. it is. Yep. So there you have it with the Farnsworth house. Some additional oh, stories to keep you up at night. I don't want to stay in the Custer room then. Well, Got Lincoln it. room doesn't sound so bad. I can handle a cat. Uh, it sounds more like a demon. I mean... I mean, some cats kind of resemble demons <laughs> in their disposition. That's true. Like, that's true. Yeah. But, like, if there's scratches happening, like, I'm <laughs> thinking demonic activity. Sorry. Yeah. But we can also call it Tabitha. What if it's a teeny <laughs> tiny incubus? Aww. <laughs> still evil. To, to lay upon. So. <laughs> 
See, if, if a cat were to, like, sit on my chest sleeping at night, I would be so asleep because I'm so used to there being Toby on me uh-huh. that I would just start petting it. Like, mm-hmm. And you'd be like, honey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm petting Toby. There's no Toby. Ah! You know, that's what happened to me. That's yeah. There it is. I acted it out. Uh, thank you for the... And it's not a reenactment. The um, imagineactment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm know. Preparing what the term is. mentally for it. <laughs> yeah. Fantasy. It's like that <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> Precognition. I don't know. Whatever it is. All right. Well, thank you. That's horrifying. And hopefully they bring some holy water next time. I think the black humanoid things the came after them because they had all those readers. Ooh. It's like, oh, you want to talk? Oh, I'm coming to get you. Let's to talk. talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, 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 no. Makes sense. Yes. So tonight we got uh, all the major spots of this Gettysburg battle proper. So we're going to start with July 2nd, actually, and then we're going to hit up July 3rd. We're going to go back to July 1st because Laura has some really cool stories to kind of finish up this evening. So PJ's actually going to start this evening with the Devil's Den and the Triangle and Little Round Top and Big Round Top. Yes. Uh, all of the above. Right. No Big Round Top really well. Like China, yeah, yeah, they well, all just kind of blend of, together, really. It's all big. Because uh, Devil's Den sits in between the two Round Tops. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that whole area, really, in general, is just one big And all the Reich- Weikert Farms. Every yeah. one of them. <laughs> yeah. So Devil's Den, especially, though, is really neat because just in the middle of, you know, this field and grassy and woodsy area, they're just boulders. Like house-sized boulders in this Huge. field. Gigantic. Yeah. And they're nowhere else really in the Gettysburg area that I noticed, like, that they're there. It's just in this little area, like, they're boulders. I think it's beautiful, but also scary. It's one of the cool, because I've never... I never really saw boulders before until we were there, you know, like I've seen rocks and large rocks, but nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're talking things the size of your car. Yeah. Bigger. bigger. And yeah. some bigger. bigger. And then there are some that are like almost like Stonehenge, like stacked on top mm-hmm. of each other. Yeah, you and... can climb under them, yeah. like crawl under them. You can and... imagine why they do their farming around the boulders. Yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna uh. move that. <laughs> so uh what happened was um to start this off is that uh, Lee initially was not prepared for a battle here. He was planning Gettysburg to just be a rally point. And there's also a rumor, this is just a rumor, it's not substantiated, that there was a supply of shoes at Gettysburg, mm. and the Confederate Army was need in desperate mm. need of the Actually, shoes. Actually, that, that'll come into play later. Okay. Uh, So... Yeah, so they were surprised when a cavalry force was there, and Pettigrew, who was leading the scout party, he's like, all right, we're going to back off here, like, and regroup, and uh, then they waited until morning, and then in the morning, they found that the entirety of McPherson Ridge had been fortified <laughs> and by General Buford, and they're like, oh, great, <laughs> so, and then, like, the battle began because of, because of that. And uh, for clarity, Buford was... Cavalry general on the Union yes, side. Yes, Union side, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you, Laura. Hi, just helping. Keep, yeah, protect us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please hop in with all of your information. I will try to remember it. <laughs> so try, as, try, please. It is just there. As, yeah. As, as the battle is like... 
Do you feel like afraid to talk about this? Because I am so afraid to talk about anything. She's going to be like, well, that actually didn't happen. I'm helping. It was actually at 5.36 p.m. And then at 6.32 p.m. Yeah, I get nervous talking around her because I'm like, am I going to get this right? Don't look her in the eye. Well, that's how I am with like anything, though. Like already I was listening to our Skinwalker Ranch one with Liminal Unlimited. And I was like, oh, there are a couple things I have to correct when we meet tomorrow and record next week's episode. Clarify, not correct. Cor- no, some of it's like correct. Oh, you know, like okay. something I said happened during the day actually happened at night and things like that. And so, because, you know, I don't want people to be like, um, actually, that's not right. Um, it's Ouija. <laughs> Anywho, what <laughs> so, happened? So, um, at... The interesting thing from what I read is at about the same time, General Lee and General Meade, the commanders of both North and South armies, they realized uh, as they looked at Little Round Top, they're like, is there anyone up there? <laughs> and so they, um, so Lee was like, no one's up there. So he starts like massing troops to push for that hill. And instead, fortunately, he had to get the troops around before going there. Uh, fortunately for the Union, um, because Meade at that time sent scouts out, saw that it was undefended, and he's like, all right, we need volunteers to get over there right now. <laughs> and uh, and um, a bunch of people like Josh Chamberlain, uh, you know, like took the hill before Lee could get there. and um, And so I have here... Which I'll just add in that for anyone who's not been to Gettysburg, I highly recommend checking out photos or videos of Big and Little Round Top. And Little Round Top in particular, because all the battles, well, not all, but a lot of the battles happen on Little Round Top and at the base of it, kind of going mm-hmm. down the hill and around it. And it is this these two weird steep hills yeah, that kind really of come is. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I'll tell you what, I would not be want to be a guy in a wool uniform with 100 pounds of gear on my back <laughs> charging up oh, a know. hill while bullets are coming at me. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, it's insane that people yeah. actually had the courage to do that. Right. And with the uh, the forests, too, like all the different trees that yes. are growing there, at the top you of are the hill. very protected up atop the hill. Yep. Yeah, high ground is always important in battles. But especially when you mm. have all those trees yes. for cover, yeah. too. Yeah. So uh, when Chamberlain uh, was led there by Colonel Vincent... Vincent uh, is said, um, looked at him, and uh, the last thing he told Chamberlain was, quote, this is the left of the Union line. You are to hold this ground at all costs. And so they did for a very long time mm-hmm. until they started to run out of ammo. At Can which you imagine point, being the linchpin for the entire Union army? Right. Like, the, the person where if you fall, they're coming in. Behind you. Yeah, like, everyone literally depends on you. Yes. It all falls here. The whole union cause. <laughs> no pressure. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm, 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 I'm it, a fangirl of Joshua Lawrence yeah. Chamberlain. And the fact that, like, they <laughs> didn't realize... <laughs> like, can you imagine if they actually realized, like, the entirety of the union, you know? Like, not just the battle, but, like, the war kind of yes. stood on, on that hill. For sure. And if that... If they, they would have realized that. that at the time, they would have choked, you know? Probably. Uh, so as they're running off ammo, Chamberlain yells to fix bayonets and charge down the hill. Now, uh, there is, um, from battlefields.org, they say that there is, um, 
there are accounts that say it was not his call to do the bayonet charge. Hmm. Lieutenant uh, Herman S. Melker was the one who uh, originally proposed the idea. And Chamberlain's like, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> but then all these other leaders started to back him. And he's like, okay, like, if if you're all for it, then I'll give the order, you know? True democracy. Yeah, and so he listened to, like, what everyone else said, and he's like, okay, fine, like, we're doing this then. Well, and I think there's also that moment of you can't stay where you are with no bullets. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. You have to do something. Yeah you, yeah, you have to. But at this point in time, they were actually taking the cartridges from dead their mm-hmm, dead comrades mm-hmm. like they that's like they were out of ammo yeah, yeah. The, i remember the movie did that really well too yeah. uh so the union line like when he gave the order hesitated for a little bit until melker they saw melker draw his sword and dash forward again this is like you know one of the accounts and um one of the captains captain spear says he never heard the order to charge. Hmm. He just saw the color guard going forward. So he's like, all right, we're going. <laughs> That's <laughs> and the purpose of the color guard. Exactly, yeah, with, with yeah. all the it's, clouds of smoke, you can't follow yeah. the flag. That's why Capture the Flag is such an important game. And, yep. Yep. Uh, you know, boys, boys it, play yeah. and yeah. ROTC. Because it's loud. Yeah, it's why it's, flags are important. It's distance. Yeah, you yeah. got to follow your flag. Yep. So they had piccolos, too. A loud, obnoxious beep, 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 beep could be heard over the guns. <laughs> yep. So, so uh, the Confederates, who were ready for an easy victory as these guys are coming down the hill, for, uh, they they probably would have won, except Captain Morrill's Company B were hiding behind a stone wall behind them and popped up and started shooting at them from behind, completely throwing them into a panic. Mm. And uh, that's really what, like helped that charge win the battle there and push them off the hill. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Which is genius. Go for it. You love them. You talk about it. You're absolutely right. But what had happened is, you know, early in the battle, um, Chamberlain had sent off a small portion of his army to kind of look, you know, just get a feel for the land. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And scout. And they never came back. So he thought they were lost, but they had just kind of gotten trapped in this area. And so when he's (laughs) coming down the hill, they seize the moment they stand up and they start firing. So now the Confederates are getting fired, fired on from the front. They've got men coming at them with blades on the (laughs) guns and they're getting fired on from the side. And these Confederates are literally just throwing their guns down on the ground with their hands up to surrender. Yeah. And I, it was a tiny little force that ends up capturing, I forget how, like, I don't know if you have it. But I don't have enough. how many were on uh, yeah. the hill. Like, well, she means like how many ca- uh, Confederates were captured. Yeah, because yeah, they I capture, don't. like, I, I feel like at that point there were only a few hundred, like 300 men, and they capture like 2,000. So it was a lot of <laughs> that, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. But I think in context, too, like, because Ivers, uh, when I discussed the Valley of Death, I must have Iverson's pits because we were talking about pits earlier, um, but... You have to put in context what's happening all around that stinking hill. Like, there yeah. is just... It's a bloodbath everywhere. So I think at that point, everyone's just like, we're all gonna die! <laughs> White flag! <laughs> yeah, like, I give up! I'm a prisoner now! I'm Can okay I have some shoes? <laughs> I heard there were nice shoes here. A glass of water would also be welcome, because it's very hot. It's 100 degrees. I'm gonna talk about that, actually. <laughs> so, um, let, speaking of the battle, so the Battle of Devil's Den... Had, um, on the Union side, there were 
about 2,400 soldiers. Okay. Confederates had 5,500. Good Lord. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, about. Double. Yeah. Um, so by the end, Union troops lost 821 okay. due to killed, wounded, missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Confederates, 1,815. Shoot. Wow. That's a lot. I yeah. mean, that's considerably more. Well, so that's one fifth of <laughs> yeah. theirs versus eight hundred. Be like almost what one third. Yeah. So it was pretty even, then I would say. <clears throat> well, the Confederates did better, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. impressive, per- though, that the Union were able held. To- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of been the story about all of Gettysburg. They're always outnumbered, but they're lucky with having like good high ground or fortified but areas. It's true or- that they're used to just the area as well, you know, because the South, like, while we... Yeah, the home field advantage kind of well, that Yeah, but, like, you know, if you're from the North, you're used to just, like, the ruggedness, the land, how to hide in our area. Because the our, our area looks so different than the South. Remember when Patrick came to visit, they couldn't get over all the green and all the hills yeah. and all the mountains. I'm like, that's not even a mountain, that's a hill. He's like, that's a mountain to us because Texas is so flat. So I wonder if they just, not just the home field advantage, but like just knowing, you know, the landscape. That is a good point Mm -hmm. because it's a a very different environment from what a lot of them would be used to. And that's part of my story when we get to Iverson's Mm -hmm. Pits, too. So uh, some quotes, uh, they didn't say who said them. It was from like a a soldier's account, though. Um, This is from Ghosts of Gaysburg, if I I recall correctly. Um, They call it uh, Devil's... So now we're on the Devil's Den. This is, quote, a place... Um, barren of tr- tree or shrub and almost destitute any green thing. Uh, and then they said, a place at which, quote, nature in some wild freak had forgotten herself and piled great rocks in mad confusion together. Accurate. 100%. <laughs> was it called Devil's Den before Gettysburg? Yes, oh, was. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Because nothing grows there. It's fun. We've been there. Yeah. yeah There's but... that, that red, like, fern that grows. You're like, oh, yeah. that looks like blood. They, they don't mm-hmm. know where it came from. Uh, they know that it was also called Devil's Cave as well. Um, Makes sense. But then uh, the Confederates, because they end up taking Devil's Den at one point, and uh, one of the Confederate soldiers says, um, uh, "We fought the devil in his den and whipped him." And so oh, that's there's, cute. yeah, there's that too. Um, Clever. Yeah, there is. We whipped the devil in his den. What wrote one Alabamian? Can uh, you say it in the Alabama accent? We whipped the devil in his den. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> That may have been a little more Kentuckian. Yeah. I mean, I did. Oh wait, there's more to the quote. Ooh, but Round Top ran up too much toward the heavens. Oh, <laughs> I love it. That could have been your cold opening. <laughs> it could have been. What was I thinking? This is my favorite, though. Um, so one soldier writhing in a hospital east of Gettysburg could only rant about those quote awful, awful rocks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We shouldn't laugh, but they it's had true. To, they had to march across this field and around while, those f- while uh, over these rocks, like boulders the size of beach balls, you know, like or- big rocks in the, in the ground, and cannons are shooting at them the whole time they're trying to navigate this. Yeah. How do you like? I just hide behind one. That's of That's what the I would do. Marching, <laughs> yeah, <you know>? right. <laughs> like, oh dang! I twisted my ankle. Uh, oh, oh shucks! <laughs> oh, my other ankle. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, not a fun place. To fight, unless you're like 
on the boulders or something because <laughs> there were sharpshooters who were up there. You know, it's nice there, high ground and everything. I would not want to be up on a boulder where someone could see me, though. Yeah, yeah there's that, Ooh, too. The Union had sharpshooters, too. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> That's true. So, um, on the ghosts of yes. Devil's Den. Uh, well, actually... Can I toss in my Valley of Death before you do your ghost? Absolutely. Wonderful. So, you know, Little Round Top um, and Devil's Den, the Triangle, they all had, like, some of the worst, worst um, fighting. And actually, that area, like, between the Devil's Den and Round Top was nicknamed the Slaughter Pen because of how much death actually happened there. Yeah. Also because it was swamplands, too. And oh, yeah, as they were too. trying to retreat, yeah. they couldn't get out of there fast enough. And is, is there, there's a little creek that runs that, That's Something, my yeah. story, yeah. Okay, so, so, yeah, but just to clarify for listeners, so if you're on the top of Little Round Top looking down, you're looking down at Devil's Den. Yeah. And you're looking down at the Valley of Death, too, because yes. there's a creek, yeah. So, um, at twilight on July 2nd, so when all this major fighting is almost done... We have um, Samuel Crawford's two Pennsylvania Infantry Brigades being attacked across the Valley of Death. But again, that is the area where it's called the Slaughter Pen because there was it was such a scene of intense fighting. Like there was high casualties on both sides. Um, the second U.S. sharpshooters were stationed behind a stone wall for a while at the base of the hill until they were chased out. But when it came to all of that, the official name is actually called Plum Run. But during all of this insane fighting that PJ was talking about, it became known the Valley of Death because on July 4th, they finally had rain. And the rain came down little little round top through Slaughter Pen, through the Devil's Den. All of those dead bodies, all the blood, everything flowed down and it went into that creek. The creek ran red, literally ran red with the blood of all of those um, people who had passed away. And so it got the term Valley of Death, not only because of being the slaughter pen, but also because the the creek literally ran red, which is just kind of horrifying to think about because um, what's really sad is the you mentioned water. The Civil War soldiers who were crawling away and just wanted some water, they were drinking out of that because they had no other option. There's nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, now we also mentioned, you know, the fact that we have flooding happening in these areas too. So you crawl away for help, and then you have flooding, you know, from these heavy storms, and people die from the flooding too, unfortunately. Um, but. A sad fact, too, on the side of all of this is the valley itself, the Valley of Death, so the slaughter pen, this entire doubles done, that whole area was so littered with bodies that it was over a week after the battle before any of the fallen men could actually be buried. There was just too much. It was just, I mean, you're bringing up with the wheat field in a second, you know, but you're talking about all of this, just all of these bodies. There were so many, imagine like not just boulders, but you have to climb over bodies, too. That are... Like stinky, putrefying, baking yeah. in the, in the yeah. heat, in the heat. within yeah. hours. Yeah, and yeah. then you have that cavalry charge right down. They're running and jumping over dead bodies to do their over their friends yeah. too. I mean, because that's the other thing. And I know I've said this before, but like, you know, these people in these um, units were from the same town. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. brothers, cousins, neighbors. You know, the the local doctor, like all of that. Like this is. So it's it, it would be like, you know, taking your whatever, your senior class and your homeroom and people that you actively know and you're all right there and yeah. you're watching half of them get 
mortally wounded. That's I mean, a really good point. Or that's they're not easy dead. They're yeah. crying for pain because they're not dead yet. Right. And you have Begging to run past water, them. And you have to ignore that. Yep. Yeah. So I just think about like, you know, you have all of that and there's just bodies everywhere. So you're jumping over boulders, climbing over your friends who are or are or are not dead, you know. And then two days later, rain comes and all of that goes into the creek. And the irony is when you go to Little Round Top now, that creek's still there. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it is a very common picnic place for families <laughs> yep. to stop. Mm-hmm. And so just imagine, like, you see, like, you know, cheerful people running around, little kids drinking out of the water, jumping in the in the water, even though they say, like, don't drink out of the water because it's full of contaminants and parasites now, whatever. But you have kids playing in the creek. They're climbing on the boulders. And, like, I don't like that because you're walking on history. You're walking in a place of death. And so that's why PJ's next section of the ghost is so important because, again, just put in context, the Valley of Death is a short story. <laughs> it's because there's so much blood and guts that it flow- overflowed into the river, a creek, I should say. So let's hear your ghost stories. Okay. Uh, so some stories that I found. Um, one was a young woman who was climbing up on the boulders and everything when someone grabs her ankle. Oh. And she looks down and there is a Civil War soldier like you know looking up at her from the ground don't like that Mm-mm. yeah Mm-mm. Uh-huh. no touchy <laughs> no That's another one pa- past consent there yeah <laughs> um was he trying to protect her <laughs> <laughs> i think it sounds like he was asking for help you know Aww. like gr- you know grabbing someone and begging mm. uh so th- there's a park ranger mark nesbitt who <gasps> We know Mark Nesbitt. Well, we don't know him. No, personally. we know the name. Yeah. Yes, it's if you've done any research of Gettysburg, you know Mark Nesbitt. So uh, he shared some stories. He's a, a major author, mm-hmm. many many Ghosts of Gettysburg books, mm-hmm. and he was a park ranger. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm being a rain man again, aren't I? <laughs> Please, we enjoy it. <laughs> okay. So. Um, he said there's a mysterious figure known as the Helpful Hippie. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, a woman told him that uh, she got turned around one day out there in, uh, in the field and everything. And um, seemingly out of nowhere, she hears a voice and says, what you're looking for is over here. And... <laughs> And they just disappeared, this guy who was there. Uh, so when they asked her what he looked like, she said that he was disheveled, wearing a floppy hat, hair shoulder length, bare feet, and ragged clothing. And hmm. Sounds like a farmer. And Laura said bare feet and everything. And uh, um. he's like, she literally described what the Texan unit looked like. Yeah. Uh, so, like... You know, she completely described what a typical Texan looked like in the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, and so, and she had no idea at all. Uh, another woman approached Nesbitt and said she had a similar experience where a raggedy man with a floppy hat suddenly appeared, pointed to her University of Texas shirt, <laughs> and he said, First Texas. And he, <laughs> and he disappeared. <laughs> well, it's like alumni. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so another um, was, so in terms of like the triangle, there's a triangular field behind Devil's Den. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of 
interesting things happen there. You hear like moaning, the rebel yell, the clanking of um equipment as like mm. troops march by. They'll even see the grass like indent as like people march through the field. That's terrifying. Yeah, right. <laughs> I never heard that. That's yeah. crazy. You um, have to be on the lookout for that. The <laughs> big <stay> one. <laughs> the big one though is electronics fail constantly. Mm. And usually in stories like this like batteries get killed like Skinwalker Ranch batteries are just drained instantly. More often than not, that doesn't happen. They just turn off. And when you leave the triangular field and get back to, like, the parking area, it comes back on. And this also happens in Devil's Den, too. And they think the reason why is there's a very famous picture of a dead Confederate soldier in Devil's Den. Oh, yeah. I actually saw that. During everyone, everyone knows this picture. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, our, like, they even have this picture at Devil's Den yeah. at the location of where this picture was taken. Yeah, our listeners cannot see this. So, like, you can literally yeah. look down at the picture and then look up at the spot where the picture was taken. You know what, though? Mm-hmm. Can you post this on the Facebook? Yeah, yeah. yeah. On the or, Facebook. The on Facebook. the Facebook. Because I remember... You can find it on the Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember, like, standing at that spot, seeing this picture on the plaque, and then I look up and I'm like, oh, my God, it was, like, right over there. And it was just, like, really haunting moment. Like, Devil's are. Den yeah. is... This this really haunting place because of things like like you feel you feel it in the air there you feel a presence yeah yeah uh the problem is that guy was posed there by the photographer oh, because there's another picture of the same kid 40 yards away half a football field away <sighs> in a different picture and so they think he might be the cause of why I'd be upset. Why people can't take pictures there. You know, yeah. why he doesn't I would, like... I would be angry if my body being dragged like around. Cameras. Yeah. But he was so photogenic. <laughs> too, too soon. Too soon. Yes. It will always be too soon. happened in like 1863. I mean, the guy was in it for the art. I'm I'm on the side of the artist here. Um, when you're dragging around dead bodies, though... What's the matter to him? <laughs> hey, when I'm dead... You know, you can you can pose me if you oh, need no, to. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. No. I'm yeah. all a grudge. According to Nesbitt, there You're are getting several. getting cremated. All right, got it. <laughs> yeah, according to Nesbitt, there are several staged images of this guy. Oh, wow. Oh, that's mm. so, that is sad, though. Right? I mean, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Just bury the poor guy and give him his final rights. Like, ugh. Yeah. Other rangers of the I park, agree. they say there's nothing. Like, it's just a field. Like, don't. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's like, believe paid, what you want to believe. They're but paid to say that. Yeah, probably. But, <laughs> Everything is safe. Yeah. But one of them, uh, one of them said, by all means, believe what you want to believe, but please know that if water gets on a camera lens, it's water. Not a ghostly orb. <laughs> if sun shines into a camera lens, it's sunlight. It's not an energy sphere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, more things about the triangular field. Uh, there is a lady in white and she just kind of meanders around the field looking very lost. And a lot of people believe she's looking for her fallen husband. Mm -hmm. A lady in black on little round top is seen doing the same thing. Hmm. Uh, just kind of meandering. She doesn't interact with anyone. She's just kind of, you know, looking, looking. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. Well, in that time period, too, you would go out and try and help to bury people. So there could be a residual, like, energy from that, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even at night, you know, you're you're going out to, even, as you're saying, even just to 
you know, to bury people, to find people, but maybe to collect things too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe. So for our listeners, if you haven't tried chat GPT yet. (gasps) I just tried it for the first time. It's so great. It's so great. So anyways, I use chat GPT to look up other stories because then you can say like, what are your sources? And it will pull up sources. Wow. Um, So it said it. Uh, told me of one of a mysterious figure. I haven't heard this one before, but it's a um, a dark silhouette of someone who's standing on top of the rocks of Devil's Den and has like red eyes. And a lot Ooh. of people believe it was, it's a Confederate sharpshooter. Hmm. That's scary. Yeah. Red eyes. Yeah. Hmm. So red, red eyes at night. Sailors to sharpshooters <laughs> delight. I don't know. That guy could have. He's like infrared vision. <laughs> uh, in both locations, Little Round Top and Devil's Den, there are typical like seeing soldiers, you know, in the gray or blue uniforms marching around. Uh, phantom horses too, hearing the sounds of galloping hooves. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, one is a crying woman, um, and. Uh, Similar to the woman in white, but she'll often be just, like, kneeling next to a fence and weeping. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a lot more women on the battlefield than I, I would expect. <laughs> the post-battle yeah. stuff. But this is also very close to the Weikert Farms, and so yeah. you could have that connection because the Shrivers are the ones who walk by and get the, and find um, Amos with his embryotype of his, of his family. Right. So they really were like walking back and forth between the town yeah. and right. That's true. And lastly, that would scare the crap out of me is just cannon fire out of the blue, just boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Well, thank you for that. It's horrifying but wonderful. Yeah. And we've been there. And I gotta say. It, Devil's Den, there is just a presence. I like Little Round Top more. See, I yeah. like Devil's Den because of the atmosphere. Like, it feel it doesn't feel as touristy for whatever reason. Yes, I agree. Even though there are people everywhere, like, it just feels different, and I, think I it's love the it the boulders, like, they dampen the sound. Very so, like, ominous. you feel very alone. Yeah, the wind dies down down there, yeah. too. And I agree with you, PJ. Like, I feel like people, like, really hang out at Little Round Top. But at Devil's Den, it's like they stop by and they leave. No one wants to. Yeah. I don't no want to stay there. No. For long. And, and it's, but it is. It's. Well, that's something else is you get this uneasiness and yes. this feeling of being watched there a lot. Yes. Um, Disquiet. Yeah. 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 It's very unnerving to be there. Mm-hmm. It is. But in an interesting way. Like, it is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'd feel unsafe. No. It's, it's almost like you're. I'm like not, you're watching like something welcome. you know you're not supposed to be watching. You know, right. like when you crane your neck at a car accident or right. something like that. Yes, that is exactly the feeling. That is well described. Yeah. I just feel like I walked into a room that it wasn't supposed to be, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, let me close the door. My bad. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I feel right. like yeah. when I get yes. there. Yeah. Yes. Then yeah. Anywho. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear about the wheat field, okay. stud. And clearly not just a wheat field. A lot happened on the 2nd of is July. Is it a wheat field? Wheat field. I don't know. My research didn't scope into that. <laughs> the, the pronunciation of the H. Oh, wheat. Oh, gosh. What if I screw up? So, FYI, people, this is also now a history podcast. It is today, <laughs> yes. or it is tonight. How well, about it? It? Yeah. it always is. Well, Some of ours are. Yeah. Hear me out, though. Like, you almost, like, you have to almost delve into the history in order mm-hmm. to honor, you know, 
Yeah, and to just figure out the why story, there is some yeah. kind of haunting there. Right. That's true. Yeah. And honestly... Which is why Liminal invited us on to do all the background for yes. their cool stuff for Skinwalker Ranch. You guys are special. <laughs> I still got stags over here. We haven't got to all this yet. And let me tell you, for a location where 6,000 men ended up killed, maimed, missing, mm-hmm. you know, there's bound to be a little bit of activity there in that field in Gettysburg. A smidge. A smidge. <laughs> yeah. A <Yep>. dollop. <laughs> Just at least a few people. Taking into consideration what was spilled there, yeah, I would say a dollop at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think when talking about the wheat, heel, wheat field, yes, it does make a lot of sense to go into the history. Let me start by a gentleman named John Caldwell. He was formerly a headmaster of a boys' academy in Maine, and he ended up becoming a volunteer in the Civil War. Um, he ended up commanding four brigade, brigades, totaling 3,200 men, so not an entire departure from his previous career. <laughs> Feels like that every day when I'm in my mm-hmm. graders class. <laughs> yes. It's like being a headmaster. Yeah. And anyway, these four brigades totaling 3,200 men, um, they were on the occupied portion of the Union line. Okay. All right. At mm. Cemetery Ridge. Mm. So that was immediately to Sickles. So that's Daniel Sickles. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Union dude from New York. Old money. Believe it or not, there are a lot of, you know, Old, white, rich guys in history. What? Yes. Uh, yep, yep. Shocking. I'm surprised that they were, like, on the battlefield. Allow me to know. blow your mind. Yes. Actually, I don't think he was that old, but he was definitely white. And he was definitely, And he definitely came from money. Yeah, like someone affluent on the battlefield. Like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't, you wouldn't you hear would about that yeah. anymore. No, you know? no, but he, he was. Um, so, like, everyone else, Caldwell was super surprised and a wee bit curious when he watched Sickles' command to march out to Emmitsville, Emmitsburg rather, road. Um, and he expressed his surprise to Winfield Scott Hancock. And he was like, you know what? You'll see them coming back. And he was right. Sickles soon found himself in a desperate position. Caldwell's brigades really had to be there to kind of shore up the line. Right, because mm-hmm. they totally went out into this unprotected area. Like, they were in this line. So you're in a field. Right, you're yeah, pretty unprotected. Well, you're pretty unprotected. you got to think. The weed is only waist high. Right, and then, like, At this the beginning. Yeah, random beginning. group just moves forward into a field. Yeah, and like, everybody's watching this, like, what in the actual, why are you and, doing this? Like, you're, like, you're going, um. That's a bad idea. And okay. it was. I, I, I do, I do love idea. how like historians are like, this caught Lee off guard. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it, stupid. You know what? It caught Sickles' commanding officer off guard, too. And it did. And you know what? Caldwell's brigade ended up shrinking from 3,200 to 2,300. That's, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Not surprised. 2,300 men. The difference of 900 men. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Almost a thousand. Because yeah. they had to go out and save Sickles' men, right? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, to your point, there's no cover in it's the like field. like a third of your people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and quickly. Yeah. Like, this is happening fast. There's mm-hmm. no boulders out there. No! no <laughs> yeah. Wheat does not stop bullets. No. One survivor of the battle later recalled, the yellow grain was still standing. I noticed how the ears of wheat flew in the air all over the field as they were cut off by the enemy's bullets. You gotta mm-hmm. think how many yeah. bullets were shot. That's poetic, though. Yeah. Nobody writes like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that cannons. Too. That's something. That too. That's something that listeners, I mean, need to know. For those who like live out west and haven't seen the battlefields, it's like. There were so many bullets in the air that they collided midair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and not like once or twice, like 
often enough that they sell them in the shops. You yes. Know? <laughs> There, there's there's one them. battle. It may have actually been the wheat field, but I remember a quote where a guy talks about how he you could hold a cap out and catch your cap full of bullets. I mean, obviously yeah. not because they're going through the cap. Yeah, but even but if, like, if, if you, you could, could, you know, if they're just whizzing through the air constantly and thick, yeah. thick like flies. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. Sorry. So they came under fire from three sides. Kershaw's South Carolinians fired on them from the stony hill on their right. Mm-hmm. Three sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They made it, it was like a square. I mean, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anderson's Georgians fired at them from Roose's, Rose's Woods on their left. Mm-hmm. Others fired from the cover of the stone wall directly in front of them. Um, the Irish Brigade at this point had been devastated at the prior bloodletting in Antietam. Yeah, yeah. They only consisted, after all is said and done, of 500 men. Um, but they drove forward to the base of the Stony Hill and fought it out at close range. Oh, the Irish. The Irish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, literally the fighting Irish. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, they were pushing forward. Mm-hmm. And they charged the hill and carried it, taking a score of prisoners. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Caldwell obviously it dawned on him. He's losing men quickly. Yeah, what? <laughs> I know. Believe so, it or yeah. yeah. Mind blown. I know. 900. I wonder 30, why. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Because That's he can math in his head. <laughs> <laughs> and he called in his reserve unit, commanded by John Rodder Brook. This dude was pretty young. Actually, um, Caldwell was only 30. It's funny to think about these guys, because sometimes... It I'm catches, 36, and I feel, well, I feel old. To your point, it catches me off guard. Laura and I are 41, right? Don't say how old I am. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's 23. I'm definitely... F- you know it. Yeah, I'm definitely 41. <laughs> I don't know. But you're right, Laura, though. Yeah. Like, at 30, he's commanding 3,200 men. hmm And he was, like, a headmaster for a boys' school. Like He <laughs> had education? I and guess. therefore... But, so, what's this guy? Well, Brooke, John Ryder Brooke, celebrated his 20... Regardless, okay, he's a young dude, right? Uh-huh. But he was just Caldwell, yeah, yeah, relied on Brooke, the reserve unit, um, to charge in, he actually had 850 men at it, you know, at his Woo-hoo. side. Mm-hmm. So many. Well, he's replacing the 900. And they crossed. <laughs> well, and they crossed the middle of the wheat field. At this point, the wheat field didn't so much resemble a wheat field as it did like a a Mass carpet grave. of red and red. Mm-hmm. Lots yeah. of red. Yeah. All Lots the of red. Yeah. I mean, Couldn't you looked there and you saw red. And they'd be trampled bodies too. Oh, like, yeah. These aren't just people anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they're alive, my gosh. They crashed into the Georgians in Rose's Woods. The Georgians gave way, and Brooks' men pursued, chasing them through the woods and across Rose's Run. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they took the wheat field. So except for Devil's Den, at this point, except for Devil's Den, still held by the rebels, um, Caldwell's four brigades had effectively regained all the lost ground in the afternoon fighting. Because this is when, actually, that's something I left out. This did happen in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least it was afternoon by the time it ended. So there's a lot that happened. It actually changed hands mm-hmm. six times yeah. throughout this battle. Throughout this battle, and that's part of why there's so many casualties well, in this just, area. Well, yeah, you uh-huh. have to put like in your mind too this beautiful wheat field 
that was supposed to feed Gettysburgonians or Gettysburgans, whatever we're going to say. Gettysburgians. 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 Um, no, Bergens. I'm going Bergians. Bergians. Okay. And this is July. Like, the, the wheat's going to be waist time. high. Yeah. yeah it mm-hmm. is a good time yeah. to start cutting. Yeah. Because yeah. when it comes to certain um, grains, you have multiple cuts throughout the year. Like, yes, you, hey, that's true. there's first cut versus yeah. second, third. I grew up on a farm. <laughs> but, like, you take this beautiful field. And fields are humongous, like, in, in Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania. Like, you kind of go with the land. So they might not be straight, but they it's a humongous section of land. And it goes from being beautiful to just being red. And that is, like you said, like, it's not an understatement, right? Like, it mm-hmm. literally was red from all the blood. And the grains, I mean, it was all just flat. That's right. Decimated. Like all the food yeah. is gone, and it's just replaced with bodies. Mm-hmm. That's just horrifying. Horrifying. Yeah, and they said it's one of the rare instances in the war where it resulted to hand-to-hand combat. Like, mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I believe it, yeah. yeah. Wow. Do you want to tell more about that? Yeah. Th- that's all I know. I know <laughs> that there's hand-to-hand combat, but, like, you know, like, medieval era, you know, more than just a bayonet charge. It was mm-hmm. Especially when they got t- closer to the farm, because that's when they started fighting the, Geor- the Georgians. Georgians? Georgians. Nope. Georgians. Georgians. The Georgians. What did I call it? Now I'm No, you were correct. I just like adding the terrible endings to annoy PJ. But, like, you'd have, they would have to be hand-to-hand there, you know? Because they're trying to take their prisoners, so... Oof. Did they even like? Not this is me being silly, but they they carried their guns. Obviously, were they carrying swords at all? Because they had bayonets. I was literally officers, just looking it up. <laughs> officers would. Yeah, but most mostly just like for regalia, right? And yeah. say charge, and the cavalrymen, yeah. of course, yeah. had maybe. Not I mean, the, they are at least knives. I'm cutlasses, sure. Yeah, like and the curve was good for swiping from horseback. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I can't imagine like other than for bayonet charges, they wouldn't really. Yeah. You know, Use them. So what were they using for him? But you gotta combat? think, like... Um, you... There's their fists. Guns, the butts of the rifles. Oh, that's true, yeah. Oh, yeah. And of course, they had the bayonets. You know, clubs, clubs and bayonets. Which, quite frankly, uh-huh. is scary enough. If somebody's <laughs> coming at me with the butt end of a rifle... That's heavy. I'm dunking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've never held a gun before, like, they're <laughs> yeah. heavy. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're yeah. heavy. I bet you somebody would throw bullets at me and it would hurt. <laughs> oh my god. Those are I heavy, know. too. Yeah, yeah they are heavy. So... I'm, I'm really not kidding completely, you know, like... <laughs> Someone throws a rock at you, that hurts, and mm-hmm. that's about how that's heavy these mini balls are. Yes, that's Dude, going to leave Alex a mark. Alex was throwing rocks at a sign today at the park, and you could hear the thunk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there was a little pebble. That's Did true. you find any information? I, I think PJ is absolutely correct. They would carry rifles and pistols, and many had knives, just oh, knives. because yeah. they would have them. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, even for, like, cutting their own food, and, yeah. like, they just had them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Right. Utility but, knives and things like right, that. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But it was the cavalry But, like, from units. hand-to-hand combat, that becomes your, your utility knife. <laughs> yeah, right. Weapon. Yeah. I mean, it's versatile. You've literally yeah. changed the utility of your... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you're still utilizing it. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, but it was the cavalry units that really had the sabers. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine afterwards, on the like, horse, you're going to cut easiest. an apple. Yep. It's like, I want to <laughs> cut this apple anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good knife. It's not like they had a true disinfectant. I mean, I guess the whiskey oh. they would make with yeah. the... Oh, I my gosh. The knives. That, we should do a whole fire. episode on, like, the, the moonshine they would make. <laughs> Just the food in general. The hardtack. Oh Listeners, if you have a chance to try hardtack, don't. <laughs> I don't. mean, it's fine. No, it's not. Just a oh, cracker and have leave it had, out for a year wait, or have two. You hard, had hard <laughs> a cracker? No, actually, a pack of crackers. Leave it out for a year or two, and then take three of them together and eat them. No, 
There no, are, those are buttery, even no, if no, they no, are no. rock I mean, hard. Take I, picture I mean flour a... that is now mm. rock hard and take a yeah. bite out of it. Yes, yeah, that's, that's accurate, that's right. actually. That's more <laughs> accurate. Try take a bite. Don't take a bite. Try take a bite. Oh. Break your tooth. Whoa. It must have been quite the luxury if you ever chanced upon, like... Real f- bread. Or, yeah, or anything, like a, an Venison. apple tree or something. Yeah. Which is I why mean, Gettysburg something as was simple just as that. destroyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, you come in, someone has a back lawn garden. Heck, yeah, I don't care if this is underripe. I'm going to eat this. Mm-hmm. The peach orchard, all the peaches are gone because it's there. They finally get food. So, Ray, Man. what kind of ghosts this, this, do you this have? This is a paranormal of... podcast. Yes, yes. Let's so we're here for bring it. it back. Yes. Scare me. Base. Scare me, Ray. I'm going to see what I can do. First off, let me ah, say about no, home. Geez. That was actually pretty <laughs> freaking good. <laughs> not not in the well house basement, please. All right, sorry. First off, it seems to be really common that if you were to bring like a digital camera, your phone, etc., to the wheat field, people pick up on stuff where they are able to capture images. And when you go to the wheat field, there have been instances where... Um, the smells run from like an oily, burny smell to um, something a little less savory. Like dead bodies. Like dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And Lovely. let me tell you, Laura and I actually, I don't know if we can put this up, but we actually took two pictures. Yes, yeah, so we're going to put them on Facebook, yes. oh, but we're yeah. not going to say what you guys have in there. We want to see what our. We can our... put them up on the, our website too. Yep. On the okay, that's page. We're going to yeah. have so don't them. Don't describe the I won't describe it, but what I will say is I felt a little less special after doing my research. It's like, you know, oh man, I had, there's like this oily, burny smell and i i took these two pictures and i saw images it's like well that's like every third person that visits the wheat field so like, no, we were know. one of every three so people. like so then i start looking at thing at pictures like on the internet and everyone it's like that looks like something i would have taken one person actually they're not entirely sure but they captured audio and they captured red Ooh. lights like fire cool. wow yeah that's on the video crazy. mm-hmm yeah. Do they see do like any the ghosts walking around, or no, just... just the lights and just the audio? Yeah. Do they have like a, do, do people hear like moans at all, like on the wheat field? Like what kind of like ghostly? Well, let me go into that actually. Yeah. Um, and it's just a lot of. Funnily enough, there seems to is be it a funny? good amount. Again, we use the wrong words. Here. I know. Why do I do that? I do that all the time. We work on our adjectives. I'm going to bring a list of adjectives for us. Although funnily isn't as as that's adverb. an adverb, yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's probably inappropriate. There seems to be a lot of interaction at the okay. wheat field. Yes, one story is from the seventies, and this police officer was there um, at night. Um, local law enforcement would sometimes enter the battlefields um, on quiet nights, and um, you know it's like a patrol thing, of course. And he chanced upon somebody on a horse and he thought it was a colleague a ranger that he had known Mm. Mm -hmm. so um he was a little put out quite honestly that the dude didn't acknowledge him whatsoever (laughs) yeah i waited you so like no no but this it it was like something out of mean girls so it's i mean so like uh, of course he thinks it's somebody else right Uh, a colleague Of of his but he waits a couple of days and finally is like hey i want why didn't you acknowledge me on your horse? And the dude's like, well, what time was it? It was after 10 p.m. And he's like, um, we're not allowed to ride that late. So it couldn't have been me. Yeah. Yeah. But they had, I mean, so I guess that was an entire, it was not an entire exchange because 
the guy was like slighted a little bit. See, I do from love the dude those on the kinds horse. of stories though, because I mean, I know I shouldn't lend extra credence, but you know, but so he's like a police officer, you just sort of you have a little faith in them. I mean, hopefully, maybe I don't know. I think that, that does kind of make it as like yeah, but that they're trained an to be observant, an authority figure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know that they're it's know, vindicating. It is a little, yeah. When you know, yeah. Funny, no, no, no. <laughs> I like how we're thinking about it. Strangely, I know. Strangely <laughs> enough, they had done. And you know what? I wish Kyle were around for a creepy thought on this. Um, Kyle, they had done. Week. He can, no. can reflect. Well, they had done psychic investigations oh. on the wheat field, right? And, oh my gosh, I would not want to open myself oh, up to that. No, uh-huh. thank you. And um, they felt the psychic felt Native American spirits on the wheat field. They found a lot of. Um, I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but um, a good amount of female energy, probably from like the nurses, mm-hmm. you know, that would have had to have taken care of the soldiers. There are legends of like a Native American battle happening on those lands before Gettysburg and, was founded. Well, and wow. that's another thing that was definitely the case for the wheat field. And what I would love to hear Kyle's creepy thought on is if there is like energy like almost like a violent energy that attracts battle to certain Ooh. places mm. okay kyle let's go get on, on it. it yeah i would just like to know or if something violent happened at a location that something that that energy is there and it just kind of promotes it so yeah. to speak if, if everyone was drawn to gettysburg for more than just right or is it just that it's a reasons. great location for a battle because you have high ground and yeah. open fields mm-hmm. By the way, I would of... I would jinx you, but I've seen that Bluey episode, and then I'd have to say your name, <laughs> and it's a whole thing. <laughs> so thank you for referencing our favorite show. Because in the literature, um, it suggests that, you know, this was a Native American battle, as I am understanding it, that wasn't around that. It was like Native American versus Native American, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Two different warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, two different Before tribes. Before anything was settled to, exactly, in this area. Exactly. A lot of our land in Pennsylvania, though, has shed a lot of blood because of different massacres and fights that were going on. Oh, yeah. So, maybe. Well, I know, oftentimes, like, you know, it, it's short-sighted of us. Like, we think of America as starting in, like, 1776 yeah. or, you know, in 1592 and the first ships arrived. But that's not accurate. Like, we have a lot more history. It's just we don't know it. And we killed off people who could tell us Exactly. Mm-hmm. Some intentionally and some by disease. Yeah, well, smallpox. Lots yes. by disease, in fact. But... Well, let me tell you just this one last one, and then we can move yes, on. But this is my here. favorite one. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Two dudes are walking along the wheat field, and they stumble across a gentleman with a northern twang, they say. Now, first off, I think that's a really weird... There's more to the story, they but... They must be have from you south. ever... <laughs> yes. Well, there's, um... What is it? Like, the uh, transatlantic accent, I think it's called. That's what we but have. But I thought that was... Oh. Is that... I thought no, that we, was we have like the... A, we, we have the, the mid-Atlantic accent. Yeah. They probably meant the Midland accent, because there's the southern draw, there's the New Orleans deep um, south accent, but then there's the Midland, which is, like... The Kentucky area, yeah. which is actually more of the accent that um, Travis has, that like very twangy accent. That's the Midlands. They could even be referring to something from Boston, too. Yeah. Well, I was saying because like the like transatlantic New- accent is if you you saw the HBO Watchmen, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy Irons accent, right. that weird like you can't quite place it, you know. It's a it's, twang. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Like the Midwest accent. No, it's more. 
Give us an example. What is the Midwest accent? Accent like Fargo. Oh, is that the that actually comes? So can I just say (laughs) I did some research because again I was interested in this in college, and I wanted to kind of touch base again if we had time on last week's conversations, like which accent matches better for England, and it really depends on the time period. But the Fargo accent that you hear actually comes from the Germanic settlers. That makes sense. I would buy that. The Scandinavians, yeah. And that's why they pronounce their their words differently. And so uh, along the coast, of course, that beautiful long draw that we use, and I always pretend that General Lee sounds like, um, (laughs) I don't actually know. (laughs) I like to imagine he has that nice thick molasses accent. So good. Um, (laughs) So they they draw out their certain vowels and they place an emphasis on on, the opening part of a word. Um, like seam, like if you go like to um Midland, you say cement versus cement. The that, that difference in uh, mm. pronunciation. So the the post vocalic R drop in the South was because of the plantation owners, and they dropped the R's on purpose as a way to remove themselves from the poor. Because, oh. yes, it showed a class as a, as a social thing. And so when you move into the Midland Southern accent, like the that like Alabama twang, but even though Alabama technically falls under a different section of ac- accent, they have their R sound like, what the crap is that? They, as PJ likes yep. to say, that's because they were the poor groups that had come in like from Ireland and whatnot. They, they were the poor groups. So they they kept their R's. And then up north, they also had the post of a Catholic jar, R drop because of England. But you also had a lot of Irish coming in, hence Boston. And so the way they pronounced their words became, over time, the so New England accent. Of, let's park the car. It became pack the car. <laughs> sure, yes. So here's the That's train not what it sounds like at all. But I'm not offended. I'm just a little offended. As you reminded me earlier, John, I did try to destroy you. But the intrinsic field subtractor that I lured you into was, in fact, plan B. B for blowing you up. That sounds British to me. That sounds like one. So it's Shatner. not quite British, though. It's not though. quite, though. It's not. Yeah, I agree. I hear the difference, yeah. Yeah. It's a, that is intriguing. It sounds like okay. someone who's sophisticated and needs to put um, a nice... Yeah, like, it's that pretentious kind yes. of tone yes. to it. Yes, you may have to like edit that clip in, I hear depending William on how Shatner. it sounds. But... Oh, interesting. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> accents. So here, some kind of a northern twang. Yeah. Oh, yes. Whatever that means. Back yes. to your ghost story. It was, an, it was a Union soldier. Okay. Comes up to these dudes and is like, hey, it's hot. It's like, yeah, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was sucks, just trying to make sucks out, yeah. polite conversation. Here's the funky thing. I guess he just saw them as allies because, and this guy was seemed to be real, flesh and blood real. The like gentleman, a reenactor walked up to them or exactly. something. That's what they thought it was. The guy was sweaty, you know, a um, lot of detail with regard to like how somebody would look mm-hmm. if it was hot. I would describe him as grungy after reading this. Stinky. That too. They even talked about how he had like black grime like on his oh. face, on mm-hmm. his teeth, etc. Hence the grunge. <laughs> well, these guys were like, dude, your kid rocks, right? Yeah. You're so authentic. Yeah, so authentic. I mean, it was kind of like. Can I get your autograph? Over, yeah, some. I mean, you are to the role. And all of a sudden, this guy in the uniform. The reenactor was like, here, 
take some ammunition. You might need these tomorrow, right? I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. Um, And probably he said it more twangy than I did. Um, And then he just disappeared into the mist. As one does. As one does. Yes. The friend was like, wow, these are really authentic looking. You know, the cartridges. Yes. Yes. That's something this else is, is they say, like, this, there's a weird mist that will form on these battlefields. Yes. Like, yes. unnatural, you know, nowhere, you know, it, it comes out of nowhere. I love how these two guys, they must have been, like, stoners. Because, like, if I saw a mist come out of nowhere, <laughs> I'd be like, what well, is happening? I think the mist, I'm freaking out. The, the mist came afterward. It wasn't just, Still. like, it probably yeah. came, I'm like, kind of like how you said. It probably now. came up. Well, they kept them. But anyway, oh. There Would was you say more to it the rolled up on them? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> balls <Don't> out <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah they kept them he still has a souvenir wow meaning like this apparitiony thing that disappeared into the mist gave him something tangible yeah, like they literally pulled, tangible they pulled something out of I the mean, past oh my and... god I just realized something what if they could test those bullets they could see if those bullets were actually from before the first A-bomb dropped they could see if they were actually from the Civil oh. War era. You know what I mean? Like, But I think that's so creepy to have a story where you actually yes, have something. So cool. Yeah, the know, ghost Allegedly you that you have something from, yeah, a ghost. I'd be oh. like, I don't know if I want this. Uh, yeah, right? Like, do <laughs> I take it like, home? what if that... Wait, here's another creepy thought that Kyle could have had. Like, what if... <laughs> What if the the ammunition is actually haunted? Ooh, yeah, yes. yeah. I'd also be like, "You're no, you're gonna need this. You come come back. Yeah, you when he need comes this. Back looking for it. Yeah, like, oh, uh, actually, I'm running low, and you're not apparently using that. If they get a phone call, and I'm like, "Hey, do you still have that cartridge? <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just? Get I was that? the reenactor that you met." <laughs> An actor in air quotes. Found you on Facebook. <laughs> Ghost in the machine, buddy. <laughs> it's like the wackiest Craigslist post ever. <laughs> that is that is freaky though. That you could get something physical from that's a ghost. so cool. And that's yeah. why it was my favorite one out of all of them. I don't know that if was I would definitely, take it though. That would scare you me. Know, well, but if you think about it at the time, he was probably like, oh, a reenactor or something. Yeah. That being and said. actually you think about like Ray and I when we were first living in our house that the oh, that's true. made us the tea. tea. Listen, yeah. I would not have drunk that tea. But we did. We're idiots. What can I say? We ate, we drank it and then we poured a cup. I poured a cup so and I you get for opening up counter. your basement door. The, the one that said keep door closed. Yeah. <laughs> what you get? still I mean, can. <laughs> you open up that door and then you get tea. I really do need and to a take mimic. a picture of that. Like, that should be your profile pic, at least for a little while. The tea. Door keep door closed. closed. Yes. <laughs> That's so creepy. I'll put it on my Twitter feed. <laughs> Either that or the zombie spiders. I yeah, at the very oh. least for our listeners, just so they. True. Yeah. All right. I'll send you pictures tomorrow. So they know that we're not lying. I yep. don't want pictures of the spiders, though. No, I can do that. No, May- I don't. Ooh, maybe don't. now that it's warmer, I might even be able to find one of the spiders still moving. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Could happen. I feel so gross right now. I, All right. Um, Laura, take it away. I like that you're cringing because at some point my story is going to get pretty cringy. I'm going to add into Ray. your story. With all the dad jokes. Oh, no. Oh. No. Darn it. Fun side note. <laughs> Eli messaged me at 914 saying, Mom... Penny had a hair below my bed, and it's on my bed. So I put a message back, 
clean it? Question <laughs> mark. I don't know what you were going to say. Want us to clean, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. I, I mean, where he's making a friend that. with it, you know, and it's his new put googly eyes on it. animal, like, whatever. Gosh. Name it. That's Ooh. now Harry. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, so, boy. Laura, what are you talking about this evening? I am talking about primarily General Lee's headquarters. Mm, we stayed there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we stayed there for a night. When was that? Do you remember what year? 2009? The reason I ask is the hotel's not there anymore. What? Oh, no. What happened? Was it it ever there? (laughs) Was it pulled up? Where were we? (laughs) No, but the... the, um, well, I'll, I'll basically I'll get to it, but basically the tr- the the Gettysburg Trust like ra- seriously raised money, um, and it was like <laughs> close to one point five million dollars per acre to purchase that okay. site. Because what happened is the hotel kind of built itself around the this house, which was the Mary Thompson house that was used as General Lee's headquarters, which in many ways was good because it protected the house, but in many ways it's bad because no one can really access it. It's owned by the hotel. It's super weird. They're not doing anything with it. Yeah, it's like so we got it's into... It's a historical place right. here. We got into the house from the hotel. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, so yeah. it's a historical place that's owned by... Best Western, you know, like <laughs> yes. it's weird. So that's why they they ended up buying it. Uh, yeah, one point five million dollars per acre. I think I have the total amount here, but it's it was it was a lot. I think it was six million dollars that they ended up paying for it. Oh, um, wow. And so they tore the hotel down, and now they have renovated the house itself, and they've changed the land back so it now has a picket fence and a garden. They're putting in an orchard, and they're making it look like it did. Oh, wow. For the Civil War. How so, cool is it that we got yeah. to stay there, though, before that, is that. Cool. that all happened? Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys have stories, I definitely want to hear them. So. We were there together. Yes. Did, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we stayed there. We have stories yes. together. That's the tower. The tower situation, honey. I She's been there so many times no. that we are just yeah, a blip right. in her it's, memory. It's it's one of those things where, like, I even remember we got those real we cute got the cool hat. hats. Yeah. We got the cane stick. Yes. And the sword. But I totally forgot the hotel. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> History time. Strap yourselves in, kids. <laughs> so... Mary Long, who was all actually Anna Mary Long, but went by Mary, was born in 1793 in Pennsylvania. She was married to Daniel Sell, had three daughters, but that first husband died. And four years later, she married Joshua Thompson. So she became Mary Thompson. Okay. However, and then she has two more sons and three daughters with him. However, Joshua Thompson's kind of a drunk. Oh, great. And he literally, all it says is he disappeared sometime after 1841. And was later presumed dead. Okay, well. I mean, he could have moved out west. Hmm. He could have become a sailor. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. Whatever. Poor Josh. So, but Mary became friends with Congressman Thaddeus Stevens. What a who name. Who was, I know, it's a great name. And he was a very forceful abolitionist. Mm. And one of the main 
um, benefactors and like passers mm. of the 13th Amendment, which ended slavery. Mm-hmm. So he That's was, why I know the name. Okay, yes, Thaddeus Stevens, exactly. So after the disappearance of her husband, she took the money she inherited from her father uh, that was supposed to be in her husband's name, you know, at the time. And she took Stephen, she gave it to Stevens and asked him to purchase this house for her because she wasn't allowed to do it on her own. So this house is technically in Stevens's name, like on the deed. Okay. But Mary moves in with her eight kids and uh, she lived there for the rest of her life. Hmm. A lot of kids. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, hmm. I don't know. I know. And by yourself too. I mean, the epitome yeah. of a single mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, this poor woman, you know, I think another Hayden relative. Yep. Just saying. <laughs> we feel you. Just saying. I see you. Uh-huh, so. We see you, girl. So for a number of years, Mary cooked and washed laundry at the Lutheran Theological Seminary a short distance away. And this mm-hmm. is where Seminary Ridge comes into play because yep. it's very, very close to uh, to this house. So... Um, At the time of the Battle of Gettysburg, Mary was 69. All her children had moved away. She's living alone. And everybody knew her simply as Widow Thompson. Widow Thompson. Widow Thompson. So dramatic, but I like it. So um, the battle begins and Robert E. Lee's staff finds this house and chooses it as a perfect headquarters. It's a one and a half story stone house situated on a four-acre tract of land at the crest of Seminary Ridge, and it's sort of on the west west of town on the north side of the Chambersburg Pike. So if you're looking at a map, that may help to clarify it for you. But um, it, it's very close to the center of the Confederate line, which, of course, as a general is yep. critical. Yeah. Right. But also the house itself is very thick stone walls, so you've got some protection from artillery. So... Uh, Lee's soldiers take the door off the house and they use it to create a table for the map. Yep. <laughs> as one does. And it turns out that Mary... Okay, this is a little bit of a throwback to the Jenny Wade. See if you can find the connection. Oh, so boy. Mary and one of her daughters had been hiding in the cellar, you know, because of the fighting of and course. all of that. But it turns out that Mary's daughter had just delivered her grandson oh, my God. in the cellar the night before. Jeez. I know. Do you These see the connection? These women popping out babies. I'm over this. Wait, the night before the battle? The heck? Baby so. sharing birthdays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Grandmother Mary was also a midwife, apparently. Ooh. So there was a lot of heavy fighting that took place around the house. Uh, you know, like generally, she described as being uh, a perfect gentleman. Uh, Mary did have to cook for the soldier. She baked pies that they took out of the oven before they were done, which probably irritated her. They would have. <laughs> I don't know that they irritated yeah. me. Um, but she said that Lee... Why, oh, you smelled so good and they hadn't <laughs> eaten food, so... Well, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure they were hungry. Um, but Lee sat in a chair near the window reading his Bible. And, uh, but, but Mary did complain bitterly of the robbery and general destruction of her goods by some of his attendants. So... Mm. Yeah, it is what it is. Yep. Uh, Lee slept in a tent nearby, but he took his meals in the house. Um, so uh, ultimately, uh, there was obviously a lot of heavy fighting around the area. Wounded men from both sides were taken to Mary's house. Mary remained at home throughout the battle and cared for the wounded men, using her clothing and bedding as dressing for the wounded and wrapping the dead in carpets. That was something we haven't thought about before, the clothing because you only had like, so many, a few yeah. things, but 
they are all becoming bandages, so wear mm-hmm. your best dress. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be covered in blood, but maybe you'll keep it. <laughs> um, so there's that. There goes the carpets, too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Those things are expensive. Yeah. Oh. You are not wrong. Okay. So we're on to the ghost story now. I'm ready. Okay. So, uh, the after the battle, of course, lots of dead guys. Lots and lots of dead guys. Um, and it was very hot. So often, I never, again, this is another thing, never would have thought about, but it totally makes sense. Ice houses or cool corners of cellars were used to temporarily store bodies. Oh. Ew. Right. Oh no! You I see where this is going. Don't like that. <laughs> I understand why. I mean, we're this in a cellar right now. Think some, of how many dead guys you could fit in here. Some yellow jacket stuff right here. <laughs> the answer is zero. <laughs> Theoretically. No, the answer is zero. <laughs> so, oh God. Okay, I'm just gonna read this. This is coming from Ghosts of Gettysburg Three. Mark Nesbitt, our man. <clears throat> like cordwood. The human remains were rapidly stacked in the small stone room below Mrs. Thompson's wooden barn across the Chambersburg Road from her tidy stone house, piled there quickly out of the hot sun and from the commander's view for the next three and a half days. It's a lot of days. While the battle continued to rage on other fronts. Like cordwood. Like cordwood. So that's your firewood that you have outside the house. How yeah. that's so stacked. The stack, you stack it this way and then you stack it this way. So it's, there's, you're stacking it this kind way. Kind of, yeah, like, like a basket weave. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Long ways and, hor- yeah. You're yeah. Flip, you're crisscrossing. Moving. Yeah, crisscrossing because you want to make it so they're not falling over. As like that's just good engineering. Sure. <clears throat> okay. You know, um, on the way up to the farm, you drive past basically a mud house slash uh, cellar area. Yeah. That beautiful white house that's like right around the curve, right before the weird sawmill road. But like that, that the people that have that log cabin. Oh, uh-huh. that, there's that turn oh, okay, right there. Yeah, yeah. There's that little white little mud <gasps> house. Is that what mm-hmm. it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you okay. go. Right there by the creek, so it would keep ice there once they Makes would break. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm from a farm. I know these things. <laughs> I'm never going to look at that I thought it was an old bus stop. I am not. Oh, that is not, that that is not a bold old bus stop, no. The same way again. Okay. So Imagine once, cordwood. Ooh. The, once the battle was over and the Confederates had begun their retreat, the Union skirmishers, you know, pressed out on Chambersburg Road. And as you said, Shanna, it was rainy, probably extremely dreary and horrible. And then somebody opened the door of the lower floor of the Thompson's barn and discovered, and I quote, the gruesome mound of humanity now putrefying in the small back room. (laughs) Because this is now four days. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in a nice house. They're not doing that. Well, not a nice house, a cellar. Well, They're right. Not, you know. Well, they haven't been embalmed. They're going to have no. their... Yeah. Now, God bless these men because one by one, they begin to pull the bloated, stiff <sighs> bodies off the pile to carry them out for burial. That is not a job you could pay Ew. me enough to I'd, do. I'd be like, I'll come back in a year like when all that's all skeletons? When all the gross stuff is done and, I'll, and they're not stinky and I'll, I'll get them in a year. Slowly, the horrid hill began to dissolve. Oh, that's a terrible word. Don't you know? Horrid hill. <laughs> they did. Dissolve. They used their verbs oh. wisely. Good job, Mark Nesbitt. 
She has a way with words. Okay, we're not done yet, people. I hold feel, on to your I hats. I feel like Ray with the Ready. whole invitations. <laughs> hold on to your hats. As they grab the arms and legs of one of the bodies that have been trapped in the bottom of this disgusting Why well, they pick from the stack. bottom? No. No, well, they've cleared out the top. They're working their way oh, to the bottom of the I cordwood of bodies. I see where this is going. Oh. Suddenly, one of the hands mm. convulsed. Oh, what? The air quotes dead eyelids flew open. And the eyes stared, circled in a madman's panicked gaze. Oh, my God. The startled burial party dropped its writhing bundle unceremoniously back into the pile. What? Where'd he go? I just saw it. Where'd he... Which one was it? <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, wow, For wow. four days, he had lain buried alive under that festering mound of dead men. Did he survive then? He was unable to crawl out when he regained consciousness from his wounds because he was literally under hundreds of pounds of decaying human flesh on top of him. Lying there with only the dead for company, wondering if he would ever be found (laughs) in... I mean, he's buried alive in dead people. I don't know what else to say. Like, What's worse than being buried alive? <laughs> being buried alive in dead, dead people. people. And unfortunately, he joined the dead just a few days after he was rescued. Is that the oh, word? Oh, my God. I wonder if they're jostling and dropping him back I on the ground. The way to put it, maybe. But, I mean, sitting there all those days with a wound, obviously. Well, he was, yeah, it, he would have been infected. Yeah. And he, he would have been septic, I'm sure. Dehydrated. I know. Oh yeah, four. Yeah, I can't believe he survived four days. Yeah, that water. Usually, but... you can only do three. Well, he had juices, I guess. Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh. I hate to say it, but it's true. Oh. Can you imagine? There would have been liquid of some. Please sort. stop talking now. Okay. Protein. So, <laughs> I like how I've made you all as uncomfortable oh, as I man. usually make Ray. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> this is a personal achievement. Oh, that's. Okay, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. I don't feel good. Okay, we're we're done. I don't think. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I think we're done with the gross stuff. So I'll say that. She said she thinks. Okay, but so although he himself obviously did pass away as a result of his wounds and everything he went through, something of his essence apparently never left the stone walled room where he lay buried alive. Some horrified piece of his soul seems. Still seems to, you know, remain in vain, pushing against the coffin lid of human flesh that had once entombed him. So, this Thompson barn with this cellar underneath had burned down. And, of course, you know, people buy it, build mm-hmm. a house there. You know, times change. Mm-hmm. Why not? And many years pass. A family who moves in. It's a summer night. Beautiful evening. The family is sound asleep, and suddenly, from within the bowels of the house, an unearthly, incredible roar happened, as if someone had placed a bomb in the furnace. One occupant of the house, crawling bravely from the safety of the bed, tried to pass through the kitchen to the cellar, only to realize that everything there was moving. What? Mm -hmm. Cups and glasses in the cupboards rattled and fell. Toasters and can openers and bread boxes slid about on the countertops. And in the hall, pieces of furniture were being propelled from one wall to the other by an unseen force. Wow. Get your holy water. 
<laughs> it's the cat. Okay. <laughs> Meow, Tilda. So Not you, again. You all think I'm crazy for drinking the ghost tea. Let's see what this person does. They decide to descend into the darkened cellar. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, dude, your whole house is like having a major earthquake right now. You're going into the cellar. Okay. Hmm. And the occupant, now joined by another family member, realized... Because, you know, there's two, of course. Realized the noises were growing into a steady, heavy pounding coming from the back corner. Approaching the rear corner of the cellar confirmed the worst nightmare. The door to the small stone room was the source of the rhythmic, desperate hammering. And the door itself was heaving with blows heavily against its own hinges. They fled the basement and realized there was only one thing that could calm the disturbed presence trapped in the small stone room. Holy water. Sometimes we must forsake all the logical earthly solutions for problems that seem resistant to those solutions. Sometimes only a higher power, a supernatural power, if you will, can bring peace. Thus did those experience the maelstrom come to call in a priest. There you go. Mm. The priest came and confirmed there was indeed a spirit trapped inside the small room, desperate to emerge and move on. Ancient words were said, holy water was sprinkled, <laughs> sign of the cross. I mean, they did an exorcism, you know. Yeah. They, they mm-hmm. basically did. The family ultimately did move out, believe what? it or not. Even, you know, despite their precautions. That's funny. We never moved out. We're still here. Yep. <laughs> You're stubborn. We won. <laughs> and the house today belongs to the Lutheran Seminary. Oh. So... Hmm. Hopefully the young soldier did move on, but if not, it's a Lutheran seminary's problem, I guess. Yeah, it's their problem now. Yep. So, well, then I would like to finish this wonderfulness up with a a seminary ridge. Yeah. All right, because I haven't done no talking really except making comments, but that's okay because I can't beat that. Um, Anyway, so we've been joking about the word pits all evening. And so I want to discuss Iverson's pits um, just because <sighs> when it comes to the quote that I used at the beginning of this, you know, even Sherman was just disgusted by people and like the, the want for war. But like watching all these people die really for no reason. Ray's story of the wheat field, uh, hundreds of people dying for really what? Like if you know that you're going to be on three sides, Why? Can I just tell you, one of the creepiest things... Oh, I'm sorry. One of the creepiest things that I saw, not like a real spoiler alert, I think, but for, um, just to make your point, um, Ken Burns' Civil War documentary at the end, they have um, Confederate soldiers and Union soldiers, and they're posing for, like, a picture um, to memorialize where they did battle. And they're... You know, Union soldiers, Confederate soldiers, and they're just making light of the photo op. Oh, this was the the anniversary, the fifty the, year anniversary, and there's video footage of mm-hmm. this. Of course, they're like shaking yeah, hands. Yeah, they're shaking hands. Yeah. They're just like, you know, like me, you know, yeah, like, like silly faces. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. I was just, and I saw that, and it took my breath away. Yeah. Because to your point, like fifty years later, and it's like. Yeah, 50 years earlier, you were trying to kill each yeah, other. Yeah, you are trying to kill yeah. each yeah, other. Now right it's just Stonewall. like, now you're posing, yeah. this is a photo op At the high watermark near Pickett's Charge. Yeah. yeah, and it's a joke yeah. now, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like more like for these commanders who just choose to 
throw their people and let mm-hmm. them whatever. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Seminary Ridge, right, in your story. So on July 1st, when we're talking about the first day of battles, right, Alfred Iverson orders his brigade um, across an open field mm. known as Iverson's Pits. Um, his North Carolinan soldiers did march in their tight, correct formation the entire way. And they really thought that they were going to go on across this field and get them Yanks. But then, surprise, Union troops pop up off from behind the stone wall and open fire on them. Mm. Just sitting ducks. And so all those rebel soldiers who were marched in perfect line formation all fall forward. Okay. Um, so again, just put in context the differences of viewpoint. Alfred Iverson was quoted saying that his his soldiers had fought nobly and he was amazed by them. No man ran away in fear. He says, No greater gallantry had been displayed during this war. But then their surviving soldiers have a very different story because they said they were being sprayed by blood. Imagine you're being told to keep walking, but you're being hit with blood. And then you're being forced to walk over the men who are dying in front of you, hugging the ground, waving white flags, and you're forced to walk over them. And so um, a battlefield artilleryman actually described it. He said... One row of 79 North Carolinans executed by a single volley, their dead feet perfectly aligned. They fell forward. Great God, when will this horrid war stop, he wrote. The living rolled the dead into shallow trenches, hence the name Iverson's Pits. But so here's the full history. So when it comes to all of this, and again, we it's early in the war. The Confederates are winning. They're thinking if they can go and take, you know, a kill, that they have all these big plans. So the brigade that Iverson is in charge of, it's made up of the 5th, 12th, 20th, and 23rd North Carolina Infantries. Um, to their left is that stone wall, and they pay no attention to it. Again, they <laughs> think they're safe. But again, it's a stone wall, <clears throat> a great place to hide behind. They really believe that they were going to get through those woods and get the Yanks and win the battle. So it says, as Iverson, this is all coming from the Gettysburg, um, you know, bloody battlefields, and of course... Uh, the Gettysburg haunted host or haunted ghosts. Uh, it says, as Iverson's men advanced towards the enemy, a line of federal troops rose to their feet from behind a stone wall and poured volley after volley of musket fire into the Confederate ranks, almost at point blank range. Within minutes, more than 900 men were dead. Now, one Civil War form actually has this um, just really well worded. Suddenly, a vast sheet of flame erupted from the stone wall. Some federal soldiers who were crouched down behind the wall could not believe their good fortune at having an entire Confederate brigade served up to them on a platter. So they burst over the top of the wall and let loose a withering volley at the unsuspecting rebels. Unfortunately for the Confederates, Iverson, their commander, had not deployed an advanced line of skirmishers in order to prevent any surprises. Hundreds of North Carolinans fell in straight lines just as they had marched. In the days after the battle, they were buried in an unmarked mass grave, virtually in the same spots where they had fell. For years after, the farmer who owned Iverson's pits claimed that his wheat grew the tallest in that part of his field. Wow. It became a joke. Wow. Yeah, so not making us look very good as Northerners, that's a joke there. But... People ask, you know, where was Iverson all this? Oh, he was safely in the rear. In no way does he get hurt. 
Now, after the massacre of his brigade, he does suffer a nervous breakdown, and he was relieved of his command. Um, after that, he was sent back to North Carolina in disgrace, and he was never allowed back into combat. Wow. wow. So at least there's that. Um, so, of course, I mentioned like everyone was buried really quickly in that hastily dug trench, hence the name, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, you can still kind of see where those trenches were, were dug. Um, still kind of there after all this time. But imagine 900 men gone. 500 in the first few minutes. Like they fell, about 500 fell in one single line because it, like one volley took out a whole bunch of them. Yeah. It's I mean, crazy. Cold Harbor, 7,000 men die in 20 minutes. Yep. It's unbelievable Actually, when you think about that number. Mm-hmm. That's yep. like the neighboring town. Like mm-hmm. almost like, not quite, but almost the entire town just phew, off yep. the map. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. There's actually a quote about that. I have it somewhere. I think it was in God's 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 of War. I have a quote from that. Oh, it was from Confederates in the Attic, Dispatches from the Unfinished Civil War. When li- when Union litter bearers climbed out of their trenches four days after the assault, they found only two men still alive amongst the piles of stinking corpses. One burial party discovered a dead Yankee with a diary in his pocket, the last entry of which read, June 3rd, Cold Harbor, I was killed. And that was written by Tony Horwitz. So, yeah. I mean, just thinking about, like, the Civil War is insane. But we're here to talk about ghosts. So we're going right. to finish up. I don't have grossness like you do. Um, but if you were to go there and visit, people can actually um, hear things happening. So fun fact. This is a fun fact. It was farmland for a long time. Okay. Um, but for years after the battle... Hired farmhands refused to work the fields after dusk because they were convinced it was haunted. Um, I can't blame them. God, <laughs> body parts yeah. on that field you're finding. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to be like plowing up the plowing field. Be that the field. worst. Yeah. Uh-oh. Another fun fact, though, um, Iverson's Pits is said to be the oldest reputedly haunted site of the Gettysburg Battlefield because of it, oh. because of things they heard there and saw. Yeah. So it has always been um, interested. Even a uh, Saks-covered bridge cannot beat Iverson's pits. So it is reported that at night from a distance across the field, you can see hundreds of white handkerchiefs fluttering just above the ground. Mm. Um, yeah, and the field Ooh. does envelop in a cold mist that we talked about earlier. Um, others report soft white spots that disappear just as one enters the battlefield to investigate further. So if you go to investigate the white flags, they just disappear. You just gave me chills, like... Yeah, imagine, Oof. yeah, hundreds of white. Because that's what the people behind when they were walking, they are getting sprayed by blood, and they were just seeing white handkerchiefs. That, that's what they're seeing in front of them as they're being forced to march over them. Um, visitors and locals um, report seeing shadowy apparitions stalking the fields. Also, unexplained lights and sounds of phantom gunfire are common there, um, which is kind of scary. But they also see spectral figures and unexplained lights that are just still haunting the area. Um, but the, the biggest thing is that I mentioned before, reputed supernatural phenomena at Iverson's pits, whether it's, you know, the white flags or it is the cold mist, it's spectral images, they have been documented as far back as the 19th century. So just a wow. few years after, as I mentioned, the war, Jeez. farmhands would not go there because of it being haunted. So it is the oldest haunted location in Gettysburg. Hmm. So... There you go. Wow. But I just want to kind of put in the mind, like, again, just hundreds of flag, well, handkerchiefs being waved mm. while you're being sprayed by blood. Like, that That was Iverson's pits. Minutes of the battle. Minutes. That's, 
it, it's so foreign to like us. Like you hear these stories, but like to put yourself there. Yeah. You know, and and I you read over and over that these soldiers like brace themselves, like their heads bowed, they tilt forward as though they're walking into a heavy rain. Mm-hmm. But these are lead bullets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just. And you think you're, you know, you're in a group of, like, the next time you're in a line at the supermarket, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, be mm-hmm. thinking, like, if you were all in a line in a battlefield, like, that's kind of what it would feel yeah. like. Mm. Yep. It's it's hard to, like, imagine. It, it's, yeah. uh, that's unbelievable. Yeah. So do we have time for one more somewhat lighter story? Sure. It's and... not really ghosty, but I think it's really entertaining. Okay. 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 So I'm actually going to give total credit to the writer here because it's called War Chicken. I love it. Yes. Right? All right, I'm ready. By Meg Groling. So basically, she kind of opens up with General Lee, you know, even in modern days, he's called the Marble Man because he's so solidly Mm -hmm. stoic and he almost seems like... He's just so amazing, and he's this amazing general, an amazing human, except for he was on the wrong side of history and all these things, (laughs) you know? It's like, well... And so, like, they kind of just describe him as, like, gray. And even Theodore Roosevelt described him as, quote, he stood the hardest of all strains, the strain of bearing himself well through the gray evening of failure. Ooh. Right? So, but I love this story because it turns out General Lee had a pet, and he had this pet in the war. Her name was Nellie, Nellie Hen, <laughs> and she was um, she was supposed to be dinner for the army. Basically, there was a, a whole bunch of chickens that were sent to the army for food, and this hen, a little black hen, escapes. Smart hen. Yeah. And she goes right into the open flap of a tent, gets herself all comfy, does her little hen thing, lays an egg. Aww. <laughs> and it turns out she picked the right tent because it was literally Robert E. Lee's tent that she does this in. I mean, you almost hope that this is fake, but it's not. This is a real story. And so he finds this hen, he finds this egg, and he decides, I'm going to keep this. <laughs> I'll have an egg every day for breakfast. <laughs> and he does. Yep. According to this article, the hen is actually very good about that and pretty much almost every day provides him with at least one egg. Even when there's battle? Cause Even when there's... Wow. She got so used to the yes, gunfire. I, mm-hmm. She's she's like, she is ready for the gift of life. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you eggs if you don't kill me. Thanks. Yes. Boop. So... So Lee takes the egg to his, It's this is interesting, his former slave and current butler and cook named William Mac Lee, which you might notice the last name. It's the same. So anyway, because but actually Lee didn't own slaves. He married into slavery. Mm-hmm. His wife is the one who owns slaves. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm assuming that Lee is the one who set him free and then kept him on as a manservant. So, um... Yeah, from this time on, Nellie Hen, as she's called, <laughs> had a regular nesting spot in one of the baggage wagons that followed the army. She laid an egg mighty near a day, in air quotes, and when not in the march, on the march, she wandered around the camp. <laughs> I mean, the, 
general kept his tent flap open for her, and she often bivouacked under his cot. Aww. <laughs> Hence the eggling, I suppose. So. Such a great term. I bivouacked. bivouacked. I yeah. know. Nobody uses that anymore. All right. So. I know this is a surprise. It's not like we know anything about this. But in July 1863, the Army of Northern Virginia suffered a defeat at the hands of the Yankees in a little place called Gettysburg. And as the Southern Army is... Okay, this says preparing to return to Virginia. I'm going to say retreating in kind of disorderly fashion. Because this is... It's not a route, but it's kind of close to it. (laughs) And I will also say, because... I just happen to know this, that Lincoln was very, very furious at General Meade because he was telling Meade to go after Lee on this retreating army. They're mm-hmm. broken. They're hurt. They're, you know, yeah, disorganized. Yeah. This is the time to take them down. You still yeah. have the people. Go get them. And Meade refused. So even though he won the battle, a very, very important battle, he could probably have won the what war and ended it that early. Yeah. yeah. But he didn't. So, and, but this is also the other part, as Lee is on the retreat, I mean, preparing to return to Virginia, as per this article, Lee realized that Miss Nellie was missing from her usual spot. No! Yes. He halts, he halts the retreat. (laughs) They all stop to look for the chicken. Oh, thank God. Where is the hen, he asked in a concerned tone. By this time, the soldiers knew about the hen, and her absence caused much concern. And even General Lee is hunting around for the chicken. Like, this is so crazy to me. They finally find her. Where was the last place you saw the chicken? (laughs) So she... She was finally discovered, perched safely on an ambulance on an impromptu nest, where she'd probably been all day long. So probably hiding in a tree. probably, yeah. But I think it's, when they say ambulance, I think it's one of their wagons or something. I think that she was staying with them. Uh, It's so so crazy. So. Guys, why are you all freaking out? (laughs) (laughs) I I thought we were leaving. Yep. So little Nellie the hen traveled with the Army of Northern Virginia for over two years, laying an egg for General Lee almost daily to earn her keep and safe haven. So what happens afterwards? I can end the story there. No, don't. I want to hear that he like okay. cooked her up for dinner. So this is like, this is that Well, classic... she stopped laying eggs. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the classic tale of, you know, the happy ending depends on when you end your story. If I end it there, it's pretty happy, right? I want to know. Okay. This is the Wellhouse exorcism, Laura. Come on. Okay. So according to the memoirs of William Mackley, the former slave, yes. who's the um, manservant for General Lee. So General Lee invited some folks over for dinner. And this would have been the night before the ba- the Battle of the Wilderness, Second Wilderness. Wow, yeah. Which was a major defeat for Grant. Mm-hmm. But that's a different story. So, but Lee invited quite a... A few people over, including Stonewall Jackson, A.P. Hill, and several other higher-ups in his general ranks. And poor William Mackley didn't really have anything left to cook. So he didn't... He The, the term that he described, he said, I'm a touch bumfuzzled. Ooh. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, he had he had planned on serving flannel cakes, which were soft, fluffy ha- pancakes, tea mm-hmm. and lemonade, 
But then he thought, that's maybe not enough for these generals. So he goes around and he decides to catch the little black hen, Nellie. So she was served along with everything else in a stuffing mixed with butter. Yum. I can't imagine that was like a good eat, though. Like, probably a small. She she probably got fat. You think? I think it would be like a small. Chickens eat anything, though. They're omnivores. They'll eat anything. True. There's lots of bugs out there. True. They can eat scraps. They can eat anything. They eat their own chicken eggs. Like the and the older a hen gets, the bigger it gets. So after two years, she could be big. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it could be. So um, the stuffed chicken and dressing was a culinary hit, but generally it was suspicious. Uh oh. No, no. Just where had this plump little chicken come from, he asked. (laughs) And upon questioning, William admitted to the deed. And after hearing the sad truth, Lee asked, William, now that you've killed Nellie, what are we going to do for eggs? That's a good question. That's what I was thinking. And I said, I just had to do it, Marse Robert, William replied. But General Lee kept up the pressure. No, you didn't. I'm going to write Miss Mary about you. I'm going to tell her you've killed our Nellie. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I guess, he goes on, like, in these memoirs from uh, William Mac Lee, he says that Robert E. Lee kept scolding him about the hen, like he wouldn't ever let it go. And he said he never scolded me about anything else. Um, But he said that I was a fool to kill the animal that laid the golden egg. That's right. And it made him awfully sad to think of anything being killed whether it was one of his soldiers or his black little black hen. Aww. So, rest in peace, Miss Nellie Hen. You, too, <laughs> gave your last full measure, as a true war chicken should. It's true. So she, <laughs> was, war she chicken. was actually a casualty oh of the Battle of the Wilderness. She was. Second Battle uh, of yes. the Wilderness. Yeah. She but was, she survived yeah. Gettysburg. So. Veteran, she did. Veteran mm-hmm. of Gettysburg. She was a veteran, a veteran of Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Yeah. She should get, like, a, a Medal of Honor, yeah. a Medal of Chicken Honor. A pension. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pension. A pension. Pension. Boy. It's funny. <laughs> you have egg on your face. I. Sorry. You really scratched that joke out, didn't you? I'm just joking with you. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, on our next episode, we're going to finish up Gettysburg with episode five, which will be the Daniel Lady Farm, the Spangler Farm, the Rose Farm, which was mentioned today. And Sack Cover Bridge, which was also mentioned in Passing by Me today. So that's our last episode of Gettysburg proper. And then we'll head into something lighter, just maybe PJ and me for a week or two, so you guys can have some time off. Find yourselves. Find yourself in the springtime. Enjoy May. Okay. And you can stay in the basement. Listen. I'm always always down here. It's quiet down here. Ironically, we love the basement now. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Laura, we have one last quote to take us home, and it is from General E. Lee. What a cruel thing is war, to separate and destroy families and friends, and mar the purest joys and happiness God has granted us in this world, to fill our hearts with hatred instead of love for our neighbors, and to devastate the fair face of this beautiful world. My heart bleeds at the death of every one of our gallant men.